Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. Today we are wrapping and now, up this here's today's been, message. Uh, in a five-week series called Toxic, and, uh, and I have to tell you this, that, that uh, as, we, as we jump into what we're talking about today, people... People, I meet people all the time, and, uh, and when they get to talking to me and the conversation turns towards what it is I do for a living, uh, I have to be honest with you. I have to make a decision then and there whether or not I will lie, um, <laughs> because, and I don't, but I have to make a decision, right, because here's what happens. I get two different responses. The, the first kind of response to finding out that I'm a pastor is a super spiritual one, Right? For up until that point in the conversation, my name has been Aaron. But if they are a believer and religious type, and I tell them I'm a pastor, everything changes to bless God, praise God, hallelujah, brother, pastor Aaron. Like my name gets like three titles in front of it, right? And the conversation becomes very, very different. You know, we, we, nothing is real, everything is surface level, and I don't get to actually know who they are anymore. And then the second response is this. When they say, oh, I'm a pastor, their faces go like this. Because they're recalling the last five minutes of conversation, trying to remember if they told a dirty joke or swore or said something racist and to see if they're about to catch on fire. They start patting themselves, you know, they check in. And, 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 or, the, or sometimes that response leads to, well, I'm, I don't like religious people. And I love it when people say that because I go, me either. Like, this is my opportunity to step through that door because I don't. I don't I'm not a fan of religion or religious people. In fact, Jesus didn't come to form a religion. That may shock some of you, but he didn't come to make us religious. No, the work of Jesus' life, his death, his burial and resurrection was all for freedom. It was for freedom. In fact, the word religion, the root word uh, that's found in religion means to bring again into bondage, right? Religion is bondage. It's, that's not what Jesus came for. He, he didn't come to make us religious. He came to set us free. And so Christianity is not a religion. What it is it's a vibrant relationship with God through Christ. That, that's what it is. God wants you to know him. And in knowing him, he desires you to be transformed. And once you're transformed, that leads you to freedom and a very, very different life that God desires for you. That, that's what he wants for you. Not religion, but a relationship. And when you look at what religion accomplishes, really, religion teaches you about God. It doesn't help you get to know God. It, it teaches you about the rules that God has for us. It teaches you how not to offend him, right? That, that's what it does in the same way that you don't know who the police officer is, but you know how to not get in trouble with the police officer. You know what I'm saying? That's not a relationship. That's just a bunch of rules. And so religion doesn't transform our lives the way that a relationship does. I'm a very different man today because of my relationship with my bride, Shanda. Very, very different. When, when, when I got into relationship with her, the way that she loved me changed who I was, and I started doing things that I wouldn't normally do. Y'all hear me? It was relationship that changed me, not a bunch of rules, and it's the same with our relationship with God. He wants you to know him, and as you know him and get into relationship with him, you are transformed. You are changed, and you find that freedom. 
but it comes through relationship only. So today as we wrap up, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to talk about toxic religion. Now for those of you that have been here with us, uh, you understand the meaning of toxic, but if it's your first time here in this series, let me give you a working definition of toxic. Toxic is anything containing poisonous material capable of causing serious sickness or even death, all right? And toxic religion essentially is the purity of the, of the message of God polluted and perverted by religion. There's a great example of this found in the book of Galatians and um, of the gospel being, being polluted uh, and, and understand that here's the context of the, the letter to the church at Galatia. Uh, that's the book of Galatians, by the way. It was written by the apostle Paul. Paul went, and he was a church planner, kind of like we are. We planted this church here four years ago, and so Paul would roll into a city, and he would share the gospel with somebody, and he would find more and more people and build a community. And then among that community, he would build up leaders of that community. And then he would leave to go do it all over again, and he'd empower them to be the leaders of that local church. And then he would keep up in touch with them through letters and, and his responses to them, what he learned about them, are the letters that we have in the Bible. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, okay? And, uh, and, and the, the, the books that we find in the Bible are his letters to them. And so the, what's happening here is Paul has established this church, and he's left, and some people have come in behind him. They're Jewish believers, like they believe Jesus is the Son of God, but they were called Judaizers. In other words, they took the religion, the Jewish religion, which is Judaism, they took it and said, hey, listen, this, this is not just about faith in Christ alone. It's about Jesus plus obedience to the full law, all right, the full Jewish law. You need to not only say yes to Jesus, but you need to live this life according to the law in order to have salvation. Specifically, and the thing they were pushing on hardest with the Gentiles, the, the people that were not Jews, was the issue of circumcision. All right? I mean, can you imagine for a second, like, the tension that this created for uncircumcised men? I, I, like, guys, honestly, it's hard enough for some of you guys to, to, like, actually get you to participate in worship, like to sing or to lift your hands or to be part of it. Could you imagine if I said, hey, listen, if you want to be saved today, what you need to do is come down to the altar. I've got a portable rabbi right here, and I'm going to get you close to Jesus. Can you feel the tension? So this is what's happening. Everybody clear? They said, if you want to know Jesus, this is what you got to do. And so <laughs> Paul's upset. He's mad. He's mad at the pollution and the perversion of the gospel. And so he says this in Galatians 1, 6 through 7. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. This word pervert here is the Greek word metastrepho. It means to pervert, to corrupt, to distort, or to poison. This is what they were doing. The gospel message is simple, and yet they were adding something to it. They said that it was Jesus plus something else that led you to salvation. They were taking the purity of the gospel and polluting it with religion. And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about toxic religion. And there's, there's two most common elements of toxic religion. Like if you're participating in it, this is what it, it kind of looks like and this is what it produces, all right? The first thing toxic religion produces is, is, is that it creates a focus on the external rather than on the internal. 
It focuses on the outward expression of your faith the, the, instead of the inward transformation. The look at how I perform. Look at what I've done. Look at what, all that I do. Toxic religion essentially is an outward effort to close the gap between you and God. That, that's what it is. It says, look, this is my human effort. This is everything I can do to close the gap. My righteousness, in other words, my good works, it, it focuses on that. And what it does is it takes Christianity and it reduces it down to a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's and a bunch of don'ts, stuff that you can't do. And this is really, really common. You'll go into some churches and, and it's probably present here, and I'm just not aware of it, but people go, look at how long that I pray, or look at how much money I give, or look at how much I serve, or um, the fact that they just go to church means that they are, they, they are holy, they are right with God, and that's simply not true. It's all about these outward acts. Even in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, who, by the way, were like the, the modern-day pastors of the time, the Pharisees who were really upstanding guys, like really, they were, they were, they were really good guys. Uh, they lived upstanding lives. They, they had a bunch of rules that they had to follow. Like we understand the Ten Commandments, but they took the Ten Commandments and expanded it to 613 commands that they had to memorize and live by. And this is who the Pharisees were, right? They, they were proud of the fact that they lived by this law. The problem was, though, that this was an external faith. They never internalized God's word and allowed it to transform their heart. It was all about what they did. But you all know that God cares about your heart more than anything. And so Jesus even spoke to the Pharisees and said this in Matthew 23. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. In other words, you play actors. You guys are just pretending. On the outside, you look a certain way, but on the inside, you're very, very different. And he even speaks to that. He says, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. The Pharisees were all about how they looked to people what people thought about them. They made a show of everything that they did. They would pray publicly. I remember Kyle, I think it was Kyle preached a few months back and she talked about the Pharisees looking like Jafar from Aladdin. And I can't get that image out of my mind. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the, the just so pious looking in their long robes, you know, and just carrying a staff or a scepter. I don't know. It just, it just I love the imagery. And they, they just, they look at me. Look at how long I pray. And they would make big spectacles of how they pray in public. And they would hold their offering up in the air as they came into to the tabernacle to put, pay their tithes and their offerings. They wanted people to know how much they were giving. Look how much I give. Look how I dress. Look how holy I am. Look, look how, 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 who I don't hang out with. I'm holier than those people. They were outwardly religious and had this external faith. And Jesus hated this. Jesus absolutely rejected it. In fact, when I started Simple Church, I started it uh, with, with the rejection of all these things in mind, like the things that I experienced as I was growing up. I didn't want anything to do with religion, and I didn't want our church to have anything to do with religion. In fact, a, a lot of our expression as the church comes from that desire. In fact, we started in a funeral home. How many of you guys know that? Like When we, when we started there, I was like, all right, this ain't going to be like any other church anybody's ever been to. And now we're a church in a warehouse with no carpet on the floor, and we drink coffee, bless God, in the middle of our services, and it's, it's a good day, right? But that, that's not how I grew up. That's not traditional church. You can't even wear a hat. I was tempted to wear a hat this morning, but I thought I might offend some of you. Like, you can't even wear a hat when I, where I grew up. In the churches that I went to, it was disrespectful to wear it in the house of God. I was like, do y'all not read your Bible and understand that this is the house of God, and putting a little hat on it's okay to make it look nice? Anyway, that's not even my notes. I'll just back up a second. 
But not just about what we looked like as a church, but also what we did here. Because I grew up in a church where, where we had what we called standards. Anybody know what these standards are? I don't even want to name the church like where I grew up, but we had standards. In other words, they, they preached on Sunday mornings about long dresses and no makeup and long hair. Like this was the content of their messages, right? They, they talked about the guys, no shorts, no facial hair. You couldn't love Jesus and do those, have those things. And no TVs. You couldn't go to bowling alleys and you couldn't go to movie theaters. Now, we, we had TVs. We went to bowling alleys and we went to movie theaters. We just didn't tell anybody at the church we did that, all right? <laughs> oh! <laughs> people, people were turned away for how they were dressed. They were turned away for their station in life. They were turned away for the condition of their marriage. And I didn't want that as a church. I, I didn't want to be part or pastor a church that, that had anything to do with that. In fact, they even turned me away when I was younger. I loved Jesus, and they knew I loved Jesus, but because I believed I could wear shorts, go to the movie theater, and still love Jesus, they said, you can't even serve here. It was rejected. I said, I will not have a church that way. I'll never, I'll never be a part of that. Because let me make this clear. What you look like doesn't matter. Your station in life doesn't matter. You are welcome here whether you're educated or uneducated, whether you're married, divorced, or single and looking. You are welcome. Whether you got problems or none, whether your con your, the condition of your relationships is good or bad, it doesn't matter. I don't even care how you dress. As long as you're wearing clothes on Sunday morning, that is fine with me, all right? That we say come as you are here and we mean it. So Come as you are. Why do we do that? Because Jesus isn't about the external and neither are we. I, I don't care about what's going on in your life, but a religious mindset causes you to focus on the external rather than the internal. It becomes all about the show. And Jesus hated that. And so toxic religion turns people away from God. I never want anybody turned away from their opportunity to get to know God. The second thing that toxic religion does is it pro promotes excuse me, spiritual pride. Toxic religion focuses on the external rather than on the internal, and it promotes spiritual pride. Makes us all feel like we're better than anyone else, right? And again, this is something that Jesus hated. He absolutely hated it. In fact, he told a story for the benefit of those people who thought that their church and their faith was better than everybody else's, all right? He shares this story. He says, to some who were confident, there's that word, that proud, confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, because that's what it does. Right? This, this spiritual pride makes us look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. So he's telling it for their benefit. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, which I've already told you was a pa the pastors of the day. They were upstanding guys. They lived well. They lived right. And a tax collector. Now, if you don't know who a tax collector is during this time, understand the time period. The, the Jewish people are underneath the Roman oppression, the empire. The Roman empire had expanded over Israel. And they collected taxes from all the people. And instead of actually having Roman people locally, because Roman people didn't know who made all the money, they appointed local Jewish people to be tax collectors. And tax, if you became a tax collector, you were somebody who betrayed your own people because you were collecting money for the Roman government. 
And so they were, they were considered dogs. And on top of that, what a tax collector would do is if you owed $1,000, they'd come to you and tell you you owed $1,300 because they had the power of the law to enforce that. And so they'd give the 1000 to the government and keep 300 for themselves. They were thieves and they were, they were dogs. They, they betrayed their own people. And so Jesus is using a very stark contrast here in the kind of people. You understand, somebody that was viewed as upstanding and somebody who was considered a dog, all right? Understand the picture he's painting. And so Jesus points out a religious person and a really bad dude, and he says, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I think I'd swiftly kick somebody if they prayed like that around me. Thankfully, you're not like that. <clears throat> Robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He was so convinced of his own righteousness by his own works, by obeying the 613 rules of the law, that he was puffed up with pride, and he's looking down on the tax collector, and he says, hey, look at me. At least I'm not like this guy. And then he goes on to talk about the things that make him so pious and so good. He says, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. I'm right and you're wrong. I'm spiritually proud. The problem with spiritual pride is you can't see it in the mirror. Because when you think you're right and you're convinced of it, that means you think everyone else is wrong, so you go about telling them. And in your telling people, you are pushing them away from God. What you're doing is wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. It's easy to look down on everyone. Do you know the number one cause for people that don't want anything to do with the church? It's the church. It's Christians themselves. It's the way that we behave, not only internally, but externally towards other churches. We can't get along. We're cynical. We're hypocritical. We're hypercritical as well. And we talk down about anybody and everybody else is doing something different than us. We, there's division between us, dividing lines. The I'm right and the you are wrong. Can I just make something very clear? We are for other churches. In fact, I fellowship with a lot of the other pastors here in Reynoldsburg. I don't care if you're a church of Christ, Lutheran, Catholic, it doesn't matter. As long as you're preaching the gospel and sharing the full message of God, I love you and I'm going to support you and I'm going to help you. If you come here and you say, Aaron, this church isn't for me, what are you looking for? Let me help you. I'm not intimidated by that. I just want you in a church. I'll connect you. I'm for other churches. It doesn't matter that we have differences in how we do things because most people, if we're being honest, what we get hung up on with a church is related to style, right? Well, my pastor's expository. That's the only way to do it. That's the way he preaches. Well, Jesus didn't do that, so it's not. Well, my pastor's topical, and that's the only way to do it. No, it's not. Well, well, well we, have, we have organ music, and you all know that God loves organ music the best. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. Maybe God likes rap music the best. I'm not sure. Wouldn't that just surprise you? <laughs> you get up to heaven and God's got Lecrae playing in the background or something, you know? It's like, I bet he does. Why not? Loves us all. Or you say, well, but we got smoke and fog. That's the best way. No, it's not. Or we dress our best, or we're, we're casual in how we dress, or, or we do communion every week, or we do communion once a month, or we only let certain people take communion here, or, or, or we speak in tongues, or we're Catholic, and we make gestures, and it's like, so? This is all style. If the message is the same, if the gospel is being preached, then I'm for 
other churches. We need to get over style because packaging doesn't matter. It's the message. So don't get hung up and think that because we've got this warehouse and we got lights and smoke that this is the best way to do it. No, it isn't. This is just our expression. This is who we are. This is what we like, right? Don't, don't get hung up on this. It's okay to love simple church, but our way is not the only way. Don't have so much spiritual pride that you look down on other people because it turns people away from God. It's what toxic religion does. It puffs us up, fills us with poison, and turns people away from God. It destroys us. So here's what we need to do. We, we have to reject every form of toxic religion, and we need to get all on board with the simple, clear, and pure message of the gospel. Gospel, by the way, means good news. Because it's the best news that you'll ever hear. And some of you, maybe you grew up around it all your life, but you never really understood it. Others of you, you're here today, maybe you went to church or didn't go to church at all, and you've never heard it. So I'm going to give you the gospel message very, very clear so that you understand it. So we can all stop being part of this toxic religion that is destroying us and pushing us away from people. Jesus came so that we would know God through him and have that relationship and the freedom that comes from it. So here is the gospel message. It's Romans 3, 20 through 22. I'm going to read this verse, and then I'm going to ah, 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 break it down, all right? Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Righteous, by the way, just means right standing, okay? When you see that word righteous, it's not righteous, dude. It's not that. It's like no one will be declared righteous. No one is going to be in right standing with God. By observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known. This righteousness from God comes from faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So here's three things about the gospel you need to know. The first thing is, you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. Plain and simple. No matter what you do, you're not going to earn God's acceptance or his love. But religion says that what you do, the works that you do, is what gets God's love in your life and creates acceptance. But that is not right. You're not right by what you do or don't do. It's not, it doesn't matter that you go to church or that you're a good person or that you give or you don't see R-rated movies or that you don't cuss unless somebody cuts you off in traffic. None of that matters. That, that's not, it's not about that. It's not about what you do. Religion says that. It's all about what Romans says. It says, therefore... No one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. You can't do anything to earn God's um, acceptance, okay? The second thing is about the law is the purpose of the law is to show you your need for a Savior. Look again. It says no one will be declared righteous by observing the law. Rather, through the law, because the law is present, we become conscious of sin. You ever drive down a road and you have no idea how fast you're going until you see that officer on the right side of the road? And then you suddenly realize you were breaking the law, and, and then you see the speed limit sign, and everything comes together, and you're like, ah, I need to slow down. The purpose of the law's existence is to help us realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. It's, it's to help us become a conscious of our sin. Like, simply look at the Ten Commandments here. Has anybody ever lied? Come on, shoot your hand up if you've ever lied. Those of you without your hands up, you're lying right now, so you just go ahead and join the rest of us, right? 
<laughs> anybody ever lust? Don't you don't have to answer, raise your hand for this one. But anybody ever lusted after somebody? You ever coveted something or envied something that they have, or or ever put anything before God that's called idolatry? Have you ever done these things? And if you have, then you've offended the law. You've broken the, God's law in some form or fashion. And so the law isn't really a checklist that you're supposed to go down and say, "Well, I didn't do any of these things today." There's one of my favorite prayers. Is that prayer somebody somebody's praying like God? Today, so far, I haven't broken any of your laws. I've not done anything bad. I've loved everybody around me. But I'm getting ready to get out of bed, start my day, and I'm going to need your help for the rest of it, right? It's like the law's not a checklist. That's not what it's about, to say, hey, I've done some good things here. What it is is it's supposed to show us how sinful we are. And in showing us how sinful we are, what it does is it just realizes our need for forgiveness, our need for a savior. That's what it does, not our need for religion. And so the third thing the gospel does, and this is the good news, is that righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. Think about that. What does that mean? Is that faith or, or salvation, righteousness, right standing with God is not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus plus nothing. There's nothing else that you need to do. There's no one else you need to be. There's no other place you've got to go, not a quest you need to go on. There's nothing you need to complete. It is faith in him alone. It's not church membership. It's not your giving record. It's not whether you're on the dream team or not. It's not the grow group you attend or the songs that you sing. Romans 3.22 says the right, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I love that word all because it's inclusive. The Bible just went ahead and wiped the board clean and said it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're Muslim. I don't care if you've been a Christian. I don't care if you're far from God. If you're a Satanist, if you're an atheist, I don't care. I don't care where you grew up, on the east side, on the west side, on the south, or even from Michigan. We don't care. All people... (laughs) are welcome into the kingdom of God. Some of you Buckeye fans need to just get right with Jesus and go all people who, even the Michigan fans, pray for them. Doubters, it's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. I got you. (laughs) Doubters and sinners, everybody who grew up in church, all means all, all right? All, it's for all. Anyone who puts their faith in Christ is righteous, is in right standing with God. They get this righteousness, not, 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 and understand it's not that we become righteous ourselves. The Bible describes the righteousness, the right standing with God that we experience. You know how it describes it? Like clothing. It says we put on this robe of righteousness. In other words, we're like putting on Jesus. Now, when I was a kid and I read that, I was thinking that's very silence of the lambsy. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm putting on Jesus. Silence of the lambs. You know, I was like, that's not cool, dude. But, but, but it's more like clothing. It's, it's like a robe of righteousness that he gives you. That means it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the gift he gave you. It's like walking on the red carpet at a, at a, at a Hollywood event. And they're like, who are you wearing? Well, I'm wearing Gucci and Armani. No, I'm wearing Jesus. That's what my label says. And because I'm wearing Jesus, I get, I get access to God and a relationship with him. Check my label. It says Jesus. I'm in the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says that this is necessary, and it comes through faith because every bit of our righteousness, every bit of the stuff that we can do to be right with God, the Bible describes it very explicitly. It calls it, our righteousness is filthy rags. This filthy rags, it means bloody rags. I'm not even going to tell you what kind of blood it is. You're going to ask me later. 
but it's bloody rags. In the Jewish time, this, these bloody rags, any kind of contact with blood made you unclean, made you undesirable, untouchable, and it removed you from your connection with God because when you were unclean, you couldn't go to the tabernacle for worship. And God says, your best efforts still leave you in utter separation from me. That's what your righteousness looks like. So the invitation is just to receive the robe of righteousness from Christ. By placing our faith in him, we receive this free gift. When Jesus died, he clothed us in his righteousness. God no longer sees you as dirty or as a sinner. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. And when it comes to our right standing with God, people approach it different ways. If you approach your right standing with God through religion, religion says it's what I do to get to God. It's all the stuff that I do. But a relationship with God is all about what Jesus has done to bring God to us. Religion says it's, it's all about me. Look at me. But the relationship is all about Jesus. It's a focus on him. If you were to spell religion, you would spell it D-O. But if you spell relationship, it's D-O-N-E. Because when Jesus was hanging on the cross dying for us, he said it's finished. And the work that was to be done, the sacrifice that was to be paid for our sins was done. It's finished. Religion says if I obey, God will love me. But relationship says because God loves me, I can obey. Religion says we have to serve others, but relationship says because God has made a difference in my life, I get to serve others and make a difference in theirs. Religion is all about putting an obligation upon you. Relationship is discovering God's love and responding to it. So what do we do? Our only logical response to learning of God's love is surrendering our entire life. There's nothing better for, we, for us to do. No effort we can make to say, God, I surrender. You know, people hate religion. They hate a holier-than-thou attitude. They can't stand the outward show. This is the, the Pharisees. But what people are drawn to, what they connect to, is, is weakness. It's your authenticity. It's you being a real person transparent. And that's the picture of the tax collector. I know I didn't finish telling you the story, so let me, let me do that as I close, because what the tax collector does, in stark contrast to what the Pharisee does, is he expresses humility and his need for a Savior. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. This is a man who wouldn't even come close to the altar to pray. He stood at a distance. He would not even look to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified, set right before God. He experienced freedom because he expressed his need for a Savior. Jesus didn't come to make you religious today, guys. He came to give you a relationship with God. He came so that you would find freedom through that relationship as you're transformed by his presence in your life. 
That, that is what he wants for you. So what do we do? It's the simplest one-point message response I have. Surrender all. Respond and say, God, I choose you. Take my life. It's the only response we have. So let's pray. You know, I, I, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, I realize there's people here in this room. As I was thinking this week about who it is we as a church are reaching. People that are far from God are identified as people that are unchurched. In other words, you've never gone to a church. And those that are dechurched, you went to a church and you left for some reason. And it's likely that a reason that you left is because somebody hurt and offended you because of toxic religion. You didn't live up to their standards. You did something wrong and they rejected you. You felt not good enough. Like you'd never live up to being the perfect person and unworthy and unloved and afraid to be in a relationship with God because of that religious attitude. And if you're here today and that's you, I just want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every person that's been hurt by toxic religion in this moment. God, I know that when we hurt, we tend to shrink up. We tend to guard ourselves. And that's not the freedom that you desire for us. And so, God, I pray in this moment that you would touch each and every heart that has been hurt or offended by toxic religion. God, I know that the greatest gift is not just receiving grace and forgiveness ourselves from you, but is in becoming a conduit of that grace and forgiveness for other people. So in this moment, those that have been hurt, I pray, Lord, that you would lead them into a path of forgiving those that have hurt them and offended them. Restore unto them, Lord, the joy of their salvation. Let them know the greatest joy that is giving your grace and your forgiveness to others. Heal our hearts, God. Now there's others of you here today that you, you wonder, am I good enough? Am I good enough for a relationship with God? And the answer is no, you're not. But here's the good news. None of us here are. In fact, we, we're, this is just a hospital. Some of us have just got here before the rest of you. Come on in. Get well. This place is for you because it isn't about how good we are. It's about how good he is. God loves you with an unconditional, unfailing, irrational, and illogical love today. He doesn't care about your past or where you've been. He cares about you right here and right now. And he wants you to know his love. You don't have to do anything to earn that love. He gives it freely as a gift. The only thing you need to do is receive it. We do that by receiving Jesus. Saying, Jesus, be Lord of my life. So I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. And if you want to receive Jesus, make Jesus Lord of your life. Would you just, sit, just, just slip your hand up right now and say, Aaron, that's me. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to make fun of you. We just, we're going to celebrate with you. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? All right, church, let's pray together. That means we all pray out loud. You don't have to shout the house down, but let's pray. Because nobody needs to pray alone. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Thank you for loving me. 
Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. Now you give me yours. Jesus, show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.